Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I was responsible for her death. There's no question about that. You admitted guilt, but you did not intend to kill her. I don't believe I intended to kill her at all. It was an accident. Yes. The infamous preppy killer Robert Chambers, who killed a girl in New York Central Park in the 80s, is out of prison. We break down the case and discuss what may happen next with retired NYPD detective Mike Alcazar. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Long Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Do you all remember Robert Chambers? He was known as the preppy killer. These were events that inspired a made-for-TV movie in 1989. 20 years later, it was part of a documentary for AMC called The Preppy Murder, Death in Central Park. He was the man who strangled a teenage girl over 30 years ago, was convicted and sentenced on unrelated drug and assault charges, and now he is out of prison. It's pretty remarkable that this happened. I want to bring in retired NYPD detective Mike Alcazar, who's an adjunct professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Mike, thanks so much for coming here on Sidebar. We really appreciate it. Um, I want to get into this with you, but I want to actually lay out who Robert Chambers is in the story first. So Robert Chambers, this is a guy who was in and out of prestigious schools. He had a drug habit, good looking guy from the Upper East Side. They called him preppy for a reason, right? And he was arrested for the murder of 18-year-old prep school student Jennifer Levin. And her partially nude body was found in Central Park in August 1986. Authorities say that Chambers strangled her to death. According to reporting, Chambers was flirting with Levin at a party at this bar called Dorian's Red Hand. They leave the bar just before dawn. And then Chambers says, after he changed his story a bunch of times, that she died after the two had rough sex. He said that she tied his hands behind his back. I'm going to quote him here. She had his way with him, and he pushed her off when he says that she hurt his private area. She fell. She died. That's what he says. Again, they believe that he strangled her to death. It was strange because he had these scratch marks on his face. Now, let's just start. Do you remember him? I understand you weren't in the force when this was going on, but you remember this story, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm about the same age. I am the same age as Robert Chambers. I was in college at the time, and it was a big story that hit New York City. So, yeah, every New Yorker that that lived in the city at the time was very familiar with the story. And what was it about it? It was the idea of, like, this clean-cut guy, but who people thought, my gosh, he might be a cold-blooded murderer, right? Yeah, I think they. what sticks in my mind is how they just portrayed him as, like, this— you know, this this good looking kid. And it seemed like when you watch the news, most people, a lot of women believe them that they didn't think he did it. They were already willing to release him, let him go, not prosecute him. Um, I think the media uh, had a little bit hand in there because they, you know, they, they had him all over the covers of the newspapers and magazines as this handsome guy. And and I think they they, they 
they pushed the story. They 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 bought it. They believed them. Yeah, and I'm going to get into his trial in a second. But before we came on, you, you had mentioned that you know Mike Sheehan, who was the uh, Manhattan North Homicide Detective. He responded to that crime scene. He said, quote, I have never seen in my entire career the strangulation marks on her neck the way I did that day. Out of the 2,000 murders I've investigated, she had all of these half-moon marks above the mustache line because she was desperately trying to pull the jacket off of her mouth and nose so she could breathe. What was the, what, what was the confusion there? Because it, it, it definitely looked uh, like he strangled her, but there wasn't a clear consensus as to what happened, right? Yeah, I mean, like Mike said, when he responded to the scene, it looked like a violent struggle. And I think that the detectives at the time that investigated thought for sure he was going to be, uh, you know, charged with the murder. I mean, he was charged with the murder, but prosecuted for the murder. Um, uh, again, I think they, again, I think the defense did a good job uh, portraying Jennifer Levin as the aggressor and that she was taking advantage of Robert Chambers for some reason. Maybe because of his looks, uh, you know, they just bought it. Maybe, oh, he had a cardinal writing a letter for him that he was a good student. Had all these people backing him up. And I think at the time, they they bought it. They bought it. And I don't think the detectives like Mike at the time, God rest his soul, did not buy it. Did not buy it at all. It was a violent struggle. It was obvious to him. And I think some of perhaps the DNA evidence wasn't presented during the trial. And maybe that's why he he pled out to the manslaughter. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to trial as a 19-year-old, nine-day trial. This is back in 1988. And the jurors are deadlocked. They can't decide one way or another. And this deal is reached when there's a deadlock. It seems like prosecutors are concerned that there's going to be a mistrial. So they strike a deal with Chambers where he pleads guilty to the lesser charge of manslaughter and burglary, so not murder, and he's sentenced to just 15 years in prison. He's actually released on Valentine's Day of all days, 2003. Pretty remarkable that that deal happened, right? Have you ever seen anything like that? I have. I had, I've heard of some cases where, you know, people pled out to a manslaughter case. Um, this was a little bit uh, fantastic because, you know, it was unbelievable that that he was only charged. He pled out to the manslaughter, given the evidence that we know now. I mean, I don't know what happened at the time, but given the evidence we know now, it's in, it's incredible that he wasn't, you know, prosecuted for the murder. Well, well, so, so he's prosecuted for the murder, but the jurors, when they're interviewed afterward, my understanding is, they never discussed an absolute acquittal. They never said he's not guilty. It was my understanding they were split on what level of criminal culpability was there. What exactly happened? It was clear that he killed her. Right. But would it be right. murder, manslaughter? And I, I think that's really interesting. And it makes me wonder, should the deal have been struck? You know, if they were given more time, could they have come back with a murder charge? I guess they had a feeling that the jury wasn't going to come to the conclusion that they wanted. Um, my gut feeling is that the jury probably partially believed Chambers' story. Uh, so I think they settled. Uh, they settled for this manslaughter uh, plea deal. And, and by the way, before this happened with Jennifer Levin, he, Mr. Chambers, had apparently stolen a friend's credit card, and he was caught using it for a shopping spree. He had a drug habit. His mom pails him out. She sends him to the Hazelden Addiction Treatment Center in Minnesota to avoid him being criminally charged. 
He leaves that program, flies back to the city. And I have a quote here from Linda Fairstein, who's the uh, retired head of the Manhattan DA's sex crimes unit. She was, that, that's the one who prosecuted Chambers in, in Levin's death. And she gets quoted as saying, I've always believed that if he had gone to jail for the credit card theft and the thousands of dollars he illegally charged or had stayed for the required amount at time at Hazelden, then Jennifer Levin would have been alive today. What do you think of that statement? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, looking back now, we know that Chambers was a parasite. He, he, he used his friends. He regularly stole from his friends. He had a partner in crime that was, you know, doing like uh, grand larcenies. And yeah, if he was arrested and prosecuted, yeah, Jennifer Levin could very well be alive today. Well, that, that's the part that I'm, I'm interested in because we know that he gets out and he doesn't stay out of trouble. So the idea here that, oh, well, maybe if he learned his lesson back in the day, would he have not? Uh, uh, well, he definitely maybe he probably wouldn't have run into Jennifer Levin. Maybe the timeline would have been different. But would he have killed? Would he have gotten in trouble after he was released from this program? Because we know that after he served his time for the killing of Jennifer Levin, four years after his release, he's arrested for selling drugs out of his apartment and also assault. And he's sentenced to 19 years in prison in, back in 2008. He only ends up serving 15 years at New York's Shagwagon Correctional Facility. And as I said, he was just released. Is that surprising to you? Because given everything that his whole criminal career, the idea that he's out now, is that something that is shocking to you? Uh, I mean, yeah, him being released, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I know uh, some of my colleagues believe so that. Uh, if he if he gets back in trouble again and ends up going back to jail, he just seems to be a a person that uh, violates laws all the time. Even when he was a very young person, uh, perhaps the reason why he hasn't done more is because he's been in jail. And now that he's out, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he he gets uh, jammed up again and arrested again because of recidivism, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, what what does he doesn't have an occupation? He doesn't have some kind of uh, vocation. Now he's been in jail his whole life. He's, I wouldn't be surprised me if he goes back into selling drugs and, and, and again, being a parasite and uh, living off people, you know? So time will well, tell. Why, why do you think he was released early? I mean, he could have been serving the full 19 years. And apparently the reporting is, is that when he was in prison, there were disciplinary issues. He smuggled in drugs. He, I think, had a shank either smuggled in or that he made out of a razor. It surprises me that he would be released early. Yeah, he did, he did the 15, right? I think 15 out of the 19 yeah. years. You know, he could be a psychopath. Maybe he learned a little bit. He knew how to answer the questions, perhaps, and maybe they bought it. I mean, people seem to like believing this guy, and it wouldn't surprise me if they believed him again that he's a, that he, he's a good guy now and he's safe to release to society. Somebody bought his story once again. So he's going to be under post-release supervision until July 2028. If he gets into trouble between now and then, or even after that, what could happen? Could he be sent back to prison? for? So if he gets into trouble between now and July 2028, I imagine he could be sent back to prison for the remainder of that term, plus whatever charges sure. he would be brought up on. I mean, how, how does it work for him? Because you have to wonder, is he going to get in trouble again after his criminal career? It's criminal record. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to have to meet with a probation officer. It's probably a condition of his release. He's going to have to get a job. He's going to have to check in. 
so there's a lot of stipulations to release. And if and if he violates any of those, they could, yeah, they could send him right back to finish off the, the full term of his imprisonment. Do you think he was treated differently than other people? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you mean from the very beginning, from the the way they they treated him as a prisoner and how he was charged and how he was portrayed in the news? Yeah, absolutely. He had a little bit of uh, privilege uh, because of his, his his looks, his appearances, maybe his age, maybe because he didn't have uh, really a criminal history. I mean, yes, he was stealing from friends, but he wasn't um, in jail for, you know, convicted. So maybe his age, his good looks, his background, the people supporting him, his friends supporting him, even some of Jennifer Levin's friends were supporting his character, saying he was a, a quiet, uh, calm, demeanor type personality. So, yeah, I think that all worked uh, to his advantage during uh, his trial. Well, I hope he doesn't get into any more trouble. I mean, really, that is just, uh, I, don't, I don't mean that for sympathy for him. I worry about society, uh, you know, again, the idea of the trouble that he's caused. Um, and I'll just leave this conversation with a quote from Ellen Levin. This is uh, Jennifer Levin's mother. She told uh, People shortly after uh, Mr. Chambers was released uh, back in 2003 for the manslaughter charge. She said, I think what Jennifer might be doing, what she would look like. I think about the grandchildren I won't have. Her dream was to be a designer. And that's gone now. And all that loss runs deep. Mike Alcazar, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. All right, everybody, that's all we have for you right now here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.